0: Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about, um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter Him for all His goodness and His grace and for lives to be changed by Him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. All human beings, despite our differences,
1: we need the same thing. We need God. And we need his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his sovereignty. We need God. But sometimes we identify our differences in the world and we keep ourselves separate from one another. And we think they're not like me. So I won't talk to them. I won't interact with them. I won't hang out with them, but Every single person, despite their differences, needs God. And so that's what I want you to think from now on. And kids, when you're in school, when you're in the park, wherever you are, you see someone that's different. You're going to see people that are different. And I don't want you to think, oh, well, I'll stay away. I'll stay over here with the people who are like me, who talk like me, who act like me. And I'll be nice and happy over here. I want you to recognize that they are incredibly, wonderfully made people who need God's love just as much as you do. And so I want you to share that love with them. It doesn't matter how different they are. They are so loved by God and they need to know it. So just as how we wouldn't treat the things of this earth differently, do they look a bit differently? we would feed our plants exactly what they need to grow, give one another exactly what we need, not to be treated differently, not to be divided, but to come together and show God's love, no matter our differences, celebrate those differences, and and, and despite of them, we all need Jesus. Thank you.
0: Amen. I do like the way, whenever there's a family spot, I'm left with some food up here, which is fantastic. Although, if I had to make a request, um, Cake Week was better than Apple Week? No, no, it's, uh, it's all pretty fantastic, isn't it? And. Um, And and it's great that there are so many different ways that we can represent our our diversity, our uniqueness, and the way that God is um, bringing us together remarkably. Now, I say that God is bringing us together, but really the thrust of everything we're talking about over recent weeks is that we're invited by God to partner with one another in the work of truly becoming, being, representing His body here on earth. And what we're saying through this invited series is it's not it's not really good enough just to affirm kind of verbally yes we're a family yes we're a body but then never do anything about it and our world which knows way too much of division of power plays of seeing the difference, accentuating the difference, and, and actually uh, putting down other people who are different. Our world that knows far too much of that needs a church that doesn't just pay lip surface to uh, diversity and unity, but actually demonstrates these realities in the fullness of the power of God. Does anybody want to be that kind of church? That's three of us. How about the rest of us? Anybody want to be that kind of a church? A church where we really do, truly do love one another. And, that, and that's what we're investing ourselves in um, through this season. And, um, you know, today, very particularly, we gather to talk about God's plan for our unity in diversity. That all nationalities and colors and backgrounds should all be equally valued in God's church and in God's world. We do so in a week, um, which finally saw justice for the the family of George Floyd. And it it is an incredibly bittersweet and painful time for many, many people, I'm sure you can imagine. The lawyer for the Floyd, Floyd family, having seen this through to its conclusion, he said, painfully earned justice has finally arrived for George Floyd's family. This verdict is a turning point in history and sends a clear message on the need for accountability for law enforcement. And Floyd's girlfriend added that it is the first step in a long road to recovery. You hear that? Turning points and first steps. And President Biden said, nothing is going to make it all better, but at least now there is some justice. I know what he's driving at, but to be honest, I think I prefer the language of turning points and first steps than the the lament, maybe that intense sorrow of nothing will ever change it, nothing will make it better. As believers, we ought to ask ourselves to believe better, to do better. It's not our responsibility within this world to delegate responsibility for the change we long to see over simply to politics or protest. I know we've talked about that extensively over recent weeks. It is good that justice has been done and has been seen to be done, but there's a work for you and for me to do. As the Christian activist Shane Claiborne rightly reminds us, God's plan isn't solely that cops should be held to account for killing people, for killing a black man. No, God's plan is that cops wouldn't kill people at all. And this is something that anybody can surely affirm, can't we? Uh, what is he driving at there? What, what is this turning point? What are these first steps that these people who have been so gravely wounded are longing for and perhaps seeing the first glimmers of? Well, to put it another way, God's plan is that the human heart might be changed. And that our entire being, our believing, our behaving might be changed also. And here is the first point of repentance. If you don't believe that there's any changing to be done in your life, then this turning point passes you by. Then these first steps are not your own. You're static and will become stagnant. You see, the Bible teaches us that the way of the cross, the way of following Christ, is of continual repentance. It is of always learning of our sinfulness, of our brokenness. It is always learning of how our manner of living is still hurting people around us. Because flesh, we have been fundamentally changed, but we are also still being changed. You know, does anybody want to be like Jesus? Does anybody believe that they are fully like Jesus just yet? <laughs> We've got a ways to go as a work of repentance for us you see god's plan is that we might be changed that we might be reconciled to god he heals relationship he changes perspective and so we might also be reconciled to one another reconciled to god across the vast chasm of sin and reconciled to one another across chasms of prejudice and of racism across chasms of power and of wealth, across chasms of misogyny and hate, I could go on and on and on, couldn't I? I could talk about a chasm that seems to run along the M53 down this peninsula that means that people who live on the D side live on average 10 years longer than people who live on the Mersey side. That's a pretty devastating chasm, don't you think? How many chasms of injustice will we, the Christian church, continue to tolerate? Now, as we began this series, we looked at the story of, of Philip who was being used by God. He knew God very, very well. And he was being used by, somebody, uh, by God to reach somebody, an Ethiopian man, who had a great deal of power and influence, in fact, and he desperately wanted to know God, but he didn't know how just yet. And we found that there are five ways that Philip was able to make that invitation, make that welcome, bridge that chasm, that divide to bring that man in to the family of God. And we're inviting every single person in this church to to invest in those five things with at least one other person through this series. Here are the things. Let me remind you. First up, give an invitation. You know, I've mentioned the Alpha course already, but you know the, the reason the Alpha course has power is you don't say, hey, 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 why don't you go to the Alpha course? You say, why don't you come with me to the Alpha course? Because giving an invitation is not giving directions. It's not just pointing out somebody's faults or failures and hoping that they get on with it. Giving an invitation is saying, I'm invested in you and I hope that you'll be invested in me. So that's the first point, give an invitation. Secondly, sit down together. Because, you know, we'll we'll talk about these issues for the next few weeks, but then we'll begin to talk about something else because there's so much in life to talk about. The challenge here is, it's so, so easy as Christians to hear truths from Scripture or to to think about certain things, but then that that little period of time comes to a close and we're like, oh, that was interesting, and then we move on. Anybody ever done that? You don't have to stick your hand up. Has pastor, yes, I've done that. God is saying, give an invitation, but then sit down together. Stop moving for a minute, would you? And show that you love somebody by sitting with them. Or maybe at the moment, going for a walk in the park with them. COVID regulations and all that. Sit down together. Thirdly, share Jesus. He's the only one who will ever change us, and he's the only one who can ever change our world. He's the only one who's ever done it. He's the only one who's ever going to do it. Everything else is approximations at best. Share Jesus. And as you see that Jesus unites us, we, we share our own stories. Listen first. Don't talk first. Listen first. Listen to another story of uh, somebody who's not like you, somebody who comes from a different background, a different nationality, a different upbringing. Listen first and then share your story. And then as you see that you're investing in these things and learning and, and, and hearing what God is saying through it all, you will find that you grow spiritually. And I hope and I pray that you want to do exactly that. You see, we want to find God's way of moving beyond managing hate, beyond justice that simply works as retribution, that, tr- that tries to give penalty for sin, to actually the, the justice of God that seeks to restore humanity to what God always intended. See, God's plan for our world is not just to kind of try and hold back the tide of our brokenness. God's plan for our world is not just to kind of put all of the hate and and injustice into a box and shut the lid and put it in the corner and pretend like it's not there. God's plan for our world is for all of our sinfulness and all of our brokenness to be laid upon Jesus Christ himself at the cross so that he might pay the price for it all that he might enable each and every one of us to come into a new and a living way whereby all of these things are not only controlled but cleansed. God's plan is to change us. And you know I think sometimes we forget about this. You know sometimes we think that we're doing all right and we think that we're quite a nice person. What we mean by that is that we're kind of polite and that we probably don't enter into any challenging circumstances that might bring out our own brokenness. God wants to do better with you. He wants to do better with me. And I wonder if we have the courage to let him. God wants to do better than us keeping our head down and not addressing hard things. God wants to reveal through his church his better way of loving understanding and humble generosity. You know, as we said last week, it's very easy for the church to adopt society's practices of whether it be protest on the one hand or, or tolerance on the other. On the other hand, how, who wants to be tolerated? It's it's not good enough. God has a plan for love, for genuine family. God, as Ephesians 3 and verse 10 tells us, he wants to reveal, demonstrate his manifold wisdom through the church. Manifold. It's got lots of parts. It's it's multifaceted like a well-cut diamond, and and everything looks different, but it all works in beauteous harmony, revealing the, the, the fullness of the wisdom of God. Newsflash. I'm not good enough to reveal the fullness of the wisdom of God. Newsflash, neither are you. No one of us is at all capable of revealing the fullness of God's creative imagination or His purposeful wisdom or His redemptive glory. God calls us together to do that. Manifold wisdom, multi-layered, multifaceted—the very nature of God. Look, this means then that church is not just you, nor is it just people who look or sound like you. Church is broader, greater, more beautiful, more—dare I say it—interesting than that. I can't think of anything worse than a church full of Pastor Gregs. No, Amen's. Restrain yourselves. It will be appalling. It would be as dull as ditch water. I know me and I know this is true. But it wouldn't be that great if it was just people like you either. And I <laughs> How many other ways have I got of offending you here? Um, I've got a few. Let's work through them. Uh, we need more. More. To love and make room and embrace the more. Means that there's a reaching out to be done that will involve a level of and maybe quite a high level of discomfort discomfort has anybody ever found that christianity involves a lot of discomfort <laughs> god comforts the disturbed but he disturbs the comfortable that's what he always does and last time we considered the story of peter being prompted by god to reach out across divides to cornelius You know, a man whom Peter might ordinarily have considered to be personally unclean. A man whom many in the society would have considered to be an enemy. And yet God enabled Peter to reach out across divides. It's the only reason why any of us here today have the gospel of Jesus. It's because they did it. They did the uncomfortable work, the hard work. And today we're considering another story of God's powerful work of reconciliation. It's from, again, the book of Acts, and chapter 9 today is where we're going to find ourselves. And what we're really considering today is what we are calling today the elephant at the table. You know, we've said already uh, that we're talking about this, this sense of sitting down together at the table. Last time we talked about the food on the table, and today it's there's an elephant at the table what is that elephant it's it's trust you know it's one thing to have an elephant in the room but if there was a room as big as this it's a pretty big room then even if there was an elephant in this room you could probably skirt around it okay you know you find your space you pretend like it wasn't there uh, and you could just kind of get on with your life as normal you kind of come in go to the seat that you always sit in yes I know that you do that church I was chatting with somebody the other day and and they're in quite a small fellowship and a small building so they can't have too many people in and they said what they've done there during COVID is everybody's actually got a named seat and I was like, that's pretty deluxe Christianity, isn't it? You come along named seat. Uh, Next step, it'll be kind of, you get your own personal choice of beverage and snacks. No, no, no. Look, you could come in if there was an elephant in the room and you just kind of get on with it but how about if you got up this morning and went down to your dinner table or wherever it was, and there was an elephant sat next to you. You can't really avoid it then, can you? That's what we're talking about today, because that elephant is the issue of trust. And This is what we're going to need to really sit down together and do the work, no matter how tough it can be. Acts chapter 9 describes the conversion that is the turning around from a way of, of, of real death and destruction into the way of God's life and light the conversion of this man called Saul. Now Saul was actually involved in persecuting Christians weirdly, he thought that was what God really wanted him to do. he thought that was his way of expressing his devotion to God was to hurt and harm and even be a part of killing Christians. He had letters from the Jewish authorities. This guy was really well connected. And he was traveling along to Damascus to go and persecute some people there. And on the road, he meets with God. And God speaks to him. And one of the things that God says is Saul, why are you persecuting me? You see, God, when He looks at people hurting or harming one another, perpetuating false stereotypes, and and actually building up divides rather than bridging them, when God looks at that, He says, Why are you hurting me? Me. For us to hurt or harm or demean or diminish anybody is to try and do that to God. It's a fundamental reality. Every single person being made in the image of God. And, and God really skewers Saul in this way. And in fact, does even more than that, it's, it's a, kind of a strange irony, isn't it? That, that Saul, who had a real spiritual blindness to what he was doing, was then naturally struck blind. Hopefully for Saul, I think it did, it really kind of made it apparent. You're blind, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know who you're looking at. And Saul is led then into Damascus, a bit different to how he imagined going there, you know, in power, with status, in charge, to persecute. Now he's there being literally led blindly. That's a a demonstration of humility, isn't it? I think we'd all do well to have that kind of humility. May God help us not to need to be struck blind. And then he goes and he meets with a man named Ananias. I'm gonna read a few verses to you from verse 10 of uh, Acts chapter 9 and it says there there was a disciple at Damascus a disciple is a follower of Jesus somebody who's seeking after him and getting up close and learning and there's a disciple there called Ananias the Lord said to him in a vision Ananias and he said here I am Lord and the Lord said to him rise and go to the street called straight straight street And at the house of Judas, look for him. It's not that Judas, just in case you're wondering, different Judas. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Ananias is saying, look, I'm not prejudiced, but. Ever, anybody ever heard anybody say something like that? You know, I'm not a racist, but. You know, I, I, I don't hate those people, but. And Ananias answered, I've heard. And, and it's other people say it too, God. It's not just me. I, you know, there's all this stuff, God. He continues, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Ananias is being asked by God to trust, to trust in God as demonstrated through Saul. And Ananias is asking what seems on the face of it quite a a reasonable question. He's saying, can I really trust a Christian killer? That seems like a sensible question, doesn't it? Ananias is a Christian. Saul is a Christian killer. It's not obvious, is it, this connection? It's it's like the hen saying, should I really trust that fox? It's, It's difficult. And the story is full of uh, uh, bridges of trust. If you were to read on the story, you'll find that, that Saul, having had his life transformed, Ananias ministering through him, bit of spoiler alert there, he goes to Jerusalem. And this former Christian killer, transformed by God, then has another bridge of trust to to bridge. You know, the the people in Jerusalem, they're like, has he really changed? Can we really trust him? Is the testimony true? It's all about bridges of trust, learning how God can move us. Uh, And you know, for for some of us in our church, maybe many of us, we find ourselves in positions of uh, actually once bitten twice shy. You know, I I reached out before, I tried before, I was a person of welcome before, I I tried to bridge divides, and look, this is probably more pertinent for for those within our church who feel like they're not in the majority, or maybe feel like they don't have the power, or don't have privilege or status within our broken world, our broken society, And, and maybe in the courage of God and in the humility of His grace, you've reached out and it hasn't worked out. Maybe you've been hurt, and there's a temptation then, isn't there, to, to, to say, "I no, <laughs> I, I don't think I'll try anymore." You know, as we've said numerous times during this series, it, it actually isn't primarily for the people who who find themselves in the minority or without the power to make the running here. If you find yourself in the majority, you're finding yourself in a place of comfort, and what did we say? God disturbs the comfortable whilst also comforting the disturbed. This is a hard thing. Trust is a profoundly difficult thing. You know, many, many people within our world ask for trust. We're surrounded by an advertising culture that says trust our product, trust our reputation, trust this, trust that, trust the other. And then you find yourself getting another email saying, oh goodness, we've lost all of your personal data to another hacking scandal. Uh, You get these emails all the time. It's like, how hard is it to keep hold of my data? Just write it on a bit of paper and put it in an envelope somewhere. Um, It seems simpler to me. And then this week we've had um, the five best teams in the Premier League and Tottenham Hotspur. Um, It could have been Man City. So uh, the five... uh, And they say, trust us, trust us, trust us. We're a family, we're a community. And then they say, oh, but we're gonna do this with your club. There's not a lot of trust about in our world, is there? It's a hard thing. Who can you really trust? What is trust? Joel Edwards, who used to lead the Evangelical Alliance and and Micah Challenge amongst other things, he said this, trust is not an unconditional vote of confidence in people or a person. What he means is it's not the same as being naive. You don't have to give your life away to anyone anyhow on any terms. That's not what anybody is being invited to do. But we are being invited to follow the leadership of God to trust in ways that bring about his purposes. Ananias is being asked by God to trust Saul. And so, because this is a hard thing, God gives Ananias some encouragements along the way. He's like, this is how you can do this. Uh, And let's have a quick look at them, shall we? You continue in Acts chapter 9, and you'll find that God says this, and we just read it at the close of our reading. Verse 15, God says, go to him, this man is my chosen vessel. Now that sounds really weird. It's like, sorry God, did you not hear me say that he's a Christian killer? You must have missed that bit. And you're sending me across this divide to him. Does anybody know that God is really optimistic? God is a glass half full kind of guy. In fact, better than that, God is a glass absolutely full and overflowing. Um, God just pours out optimism. Do you know, he has to, because God's looking after me and you you know I'm not sure that I would be able to deal with me if I wasn't optimistic sometimes we're blumming hard work but God is optimistic this man is my chosen vessel And we want to remind ourselves of some truths here. Yes, people are broken. Yes, there was a rebellion against God. Yes, sin has entered our world. Yes, all of these tragedies and horrors are present. Yes, we hear and experience horrendous things within our world. But also, every single person you will ever look at is made in the image of God. That's a hard tension to hold, isn't it? It's a hard tension to hold, but God invites us to do so because to do so allows for his optimism to start to infect us, to change our perspectives and our manners of living. We as Christians, we can look at others and say, oh, I give up on them. They're terrible. Why should I bother with that person? You know, just recently, um, the Duke of Edinburgh passed away, of course, and, and there was obviously when there's such a significant event in society, a lot of outpouring of, of opinions and emotions and so on, an awful lot of it positive regarding his relationship with the Queen and his lifetime of service, but there was an awful lot also of vitriol, frankly, towards the things that he perhaps had said on occasion, certainly he had said things that should never come out of the mouth of anybody, really, and some of his presumed opinions and behaviors. To lambast somebody in that manner is not the work of the gospel. You see what we are invited to do as believers is to recognize the image of God in somebody And by the investment of everything that we have, not to say, here is justice, let it hit you around the head and deal with you, be it ever so severe, but to say, actually, I'm going to work to bridge those divides. I'm going to say this person is made in the image of God and 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 if there are things to call out then they should be called out in relationship in the invitation and the sitting down together and then we can work together so that we each might become yet more like Jesus God is optimistic about people I'm not sure we always are because it's way easier just to to fling a truth grenade and leg it in the other direction it's way easier to do a bit of name calling and then say, Right, my work here is done, and go and sit back on the couch. Yes, we are fallen, but we are still made in his image with all the potential of that that means. There is a strong tendency in our culture to pigeonhole other people. I think we're going to take another song in a moment um, that would be really helpful if you come. There's a strong tendency to assume the worst of one another. To judge books by their covers. The covers of color, of nationality, of educational background. The covers of of what part of the Wirral they come from. Don't worry. What their accent is. The cover of stereotypes of, of, of men or of women. The cover of ages or generations. And God wants to ask us today, do we go for the caricature or do we really get to know the individual? Are you optimistic about others? Come on, would you stand with me for a moment? We're gonna have a song offered for us now and there's a time of reflection for us all. In a moment or two, we'll come and share our closing thoughts. But I would invite you now to allow for the work of repentance in your heart and life. Just ask yourself, am I comfortable? Or am I challenged? How am I a person of invitation, of welcome? Or do I just assume I know and step away from those I might consider other? God is calling us out and calling us on. Let's reflect on these things together. We're singing this morning. We're praying that we've seen him move, move mountains. We believe that he'll do it again. I believe that God is asking us. We wanna see mountains moved. Pray the prayers of picking up a rock and shifting that. God wants to move mountains, but he's inviting his church to start picking up a rock in prayer, to start picking up a rock in our actions and our manners of living reaching out, are really truly loving investing in one another, are really truly being people of welcome and invitation. God moves mountains very often he does so directly through his people God is asking each and every one of us to find a rock and to pick it up and move it to get to work I'm going to invite you just to take your seats for a moment or two to share in a few closing thoughts before we finish our time together but before we do um, week by week we're having stories of what it means to be invited to be welcomed into God's church and we have a story this week which I think uh, features Bola and, um and that's going to come up right now for us thank you very much
2: I'm invited. I joined the church after marriage. So automatically it became my church too. Um, Initially, I joined the church cleaning team. Then I later joined the church prayer team. And this has helped me to serve in the place of my calling. I've never felt excluded in the church serving the Lord. But I wish there will be more interactions outside the church socially. Our church is an international church. But firstly, is the body of Christ. And this is how we should see each other and make each other feel. We may look different. We may sound different. But God sees us the same. His children. So we should appreciate, welcome, and value one another, fulfilling the law of Christ. So no matter your tribe, no matter your tongue, you are invited.
0: It's short but sweet. And... Um... And I, you know, many of us, we do, we do know Bola and we know her as a woman of service and as well as a woman of prayer. And I think that was just so key to what she was saying about her investment being a means of invitation. We're saying that this is a work for each and every one of us to do, that the work is not uh, just to kind of think about these things or talk about these things, but the work is for us each and every one to bridge these divides. And just like Ananias, we can go to a Saul. Just like Saul, we can go to a council of the church in Jerusalem. All of these are divisions that are bridged solely by trust and by the investments of trust. As the story continues in Acts chapter 9, you know, Ananias is seeing this vision from God. You know, God really wants him to be able to do this work. And this optimistic God is sending Ananias and here's what Ananias does in verse 17 the Bible says that Ananias went to the house and entered it placing his hands on Saul and he prays release comes and, and newness and an incredible possibility and promise for, for Saul and for God's church at the moment, the very thought of going into somebody else's house just seems like an impossible luxury, doesn't it? Just this idea that we might just be able to go freely and sit in someone's front room and have a cup of tea. Oh, goodness. Feel free to invite me once it's uh, pr- appropriate. I'll have a cup of tea in anyone's front room. I'd be very happy to. Uh, it seems like an impossible luxury, but but more substantially, notice what's happening. Ananias, who is the in, he's the one who has in relationship with God, and He's the one who seems in that 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 position of, of, of power. There's Saul struck blind and, and Ananias doesn't say, Okay, bring him to me. No, he goes to him. He goes to the one who will benefit from this reaching out. If you want to be part of God's work of reconciliation in the world, of unity in the church, of valuing one another across divides, you've got to go to other people. You can't possibly sit there in your front room watching the telly or, or, you know, being a little keyboard warrior on social media and, and just thinking that that's going to bridge divides. Of course it's not. You have to go and to go oftentimes to where you may well feel uncomfortable. You've got to go to another person's world, to their reality, to be part of their redemption. Not everybody lives where you live, does what you do, sounds like you sound like. But these are the folks that God is calling us to as a church. You know, we can even come to this building or be on the same live stream and be present with other people and, and kind of see them, but never know them. Never value them, never really invest in one another. And and God says to Ananias, go, go to them, go to them. And then as he begins to pray again in verse 17, Ananias prays over him saying this. He says, brother Saul. Now you might just think that was Christian speak. I don't know whether they had Christian speak back then or whether that's something we've developed as we've gone along, but he says, brother Saul. You know, he doesn't go to him and say, and lay his hands on him and say, Christian killer Saul, let me pray for you. (laughs) You know, that's that's pretty much all that Ananias knew about him, was that he was this powerful guy who killed Christians. That's all he knew about him, but he didn't come to him and say, right then, okay, I'm just going to lay it on thick here. No, he says, brother Saul. Because he's recognizing, actually, that Saul is more than a caricature, more than a stereotype, more than just that one thing that he knew about him. You know, we fall into a terrible trap when we think that we know each other, when we just assume about one another. God says, there's much more to every person made in my image than meets the eye. And so he says, well, yes, he has been this but I'm gonna refer to him as my brother in Jesus. Brother Saul, and he accepts that this person can be a part of his story and his world and his church. The optimism of God is beginning to work through Ananias. And he's also believing that this person can be more than he thought he could be. You know, we live in a society that really doesn't know what to make of one another or or what anybody can be. I think by now we know that it's possible to be African and British, to be black and British, to be Asian and British. We've just had St. George's Day. I don't think anybody really knows what it is to be English. That one's a lot more fraught, isn't it? and it seems that part of the problem is a lack of generosity and we hold things so tightly to ourselves and other one another you know i grew up having the immeasurable privilege of regularly and routinely answering the telephone. Do you remember when used to answer the home phone? Nobody does that anymore because it's always telesales, isn't it? But he used to answer the home phone. And, uh, and, and, and I would answer the home phone and regularly somebody um, from Nigeria or well, it's normally from Africa would speak to the, uh, over the phone to me, normally at a strange hour. Um, and, uh, and they would speak to me and they say, is mummy there or is daddy there? And and all of a sudden, I knew that I had an awful lot more brothers and sisters who I'd never met, and they didn't look like me or sound like me, but they knew that that I was their brother, and they knew it before I did, but I, I got to understand it pretty quickly along the way, and I knew that my family was a lot larger than I had anticipated, and it was a really good thing. People are more than you think that they are. These are good things for us to learn. And you know, when we allow the optimism of God to infect us, when we allow the optimism of God to lift our eyes, to see a new horizon, and we get to do some powerful and profound things for one another, again, to quote Joel Edwards, he says that we can invest in helping build an alternative past for other people. You know, folks might come into our country from difficult or challenging backgrounds And it is incredibly hard for so many people to find their place here. Oftentimes, and this I know is the case for many people in our church, you know, incredible high levels of qualification are routinely dismissed in this country. There's a travesty and an offense, but it happens. And people who've got massive backgrounds of giving and serving and leading within their local churches come into the UK and, and, and they find that there's no place for them in a local church and how can this be Right? But if we allow the optimism of God to change our perspectives, we can see in one another what God has and is doing for one another. And we can say, though the rest of the world might say your past is worthless, we together can say that actually you are rooted and established in God with me, and your presence makes me better. We get to do this work together. And then we get to project into the future together. God said, He is my chosen vessel. He hadn't been yet. Nobody knew it yet. And yet it was true because God said it. If I were to say that we as a church, we can be better than we are, we can hear, as Faber calls her, Antibola um, saying, Wouldn't it be great if there was more social interaction between the people of the church outside of these four walls? And we didn't just say we were family, but we lived like it. And we can say that that is true. This church is the manifold wisdom of God revealed in the world. Are you optimistic? Come on, stand with me. I wanted to conclude this morning with a prayer from the lips of Martin Luther King Jr. because I feel that it is right for some of these moments that we're living in, but it profoundly and powerfully invites God's work in moving us. And let me offer this as we pray. When our eyes do not see the gravity of racial justice, Shake us from our slumber and open our eyes, O Lord. When out of fear we are frozen into inaction, give us a spirit of bravery, O Lord. When we try our best but say the wrong things, give us a spirit of humility, O Lord. When the chaos of this dies down, give us a lasting spirit of solidarity, O Lord. When it becomes easier to point fingers outwards, help us to examine our own hearts, O oh Lord. God of truth in your wisdom, enlighten us. God of hope in your kindness, heal us. Creator of all people in your generosity, guide us. Racism breaks your hearts. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, O oh Lord. Ever-present God, you called us to be in relationship with one another and promised to dwell where two or three are gathered. In our community, we are many different people. We come from many different places, have many different cultures. Open our hearts that we may be bold in finding the riches of inclusion and the treasures of diversity among us. We pray in faith. Amen. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.